This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. Welcome to the House of Hockey podcast, episode 96. I'm one of your hosts, Ray Ray. And I'm your other host, Breezy. And we have a guest this week representing the IEHL. I always get those confused. Uh, Israel Elite Hockey League. Um, Let's see. Mark and Tall are the basically the guys that run it all. So Mark jumped on with us and uh, we hear all about the league. Oh, yeah. It's super interesting to hear about hockey in Israel to begin with and to hear about this summer league that they've put together uh, to really help grow the sport over in Israel, but also um, to help bring awareness to the culture and the lifestyle over there as well. I mean, sunny beaches, um, nightlife, food, everything, you know, along the Mediterranean coast. Uh, It sounds like a great place to go play hockey in the summer, if you ask me. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So Mark tells us all about it, uh, and that'll be coming up shortly. Can I just talk really quickly again about how incredibly awesome our guest was last episode? (laughs) I'm still not over it that we got to interview Vincent Trocek uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes, which if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, definitely go back and listen. It it was awesome to talk all things, everything with him. You know, we talked food and hockey and music. I don't know. I just am still pretty excited about that. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It felt like talking to an old time friend. So uh, yeah, it was a great episode, and it's been really cool that we had, I mean, we had the opportunity to talk to him. So yeah, um, if it wasn't for our listeners and our, our friends and our fans on Instagram and uh, Twitter and Facebook and just listening in, uh, none of this would be able to happen. So, um, and speaking of, we are on TikTok. That's uh, right, we are. <laughs> we have TikTok. I stopped posting on TikTok because I didn't know how to use TikTok, and now I'm obsessed with TikTok. I spent a lot of time on TikTok. So I was like, hey, why don't I just uh, start posting on here again? So if you're on TikTok, give us a follow. Um, again, the more follows, the more likes, the more shares we get, the more opportunities we have. Exactly. Even, is that mate? That's mate. Sorry. Even mate agrees. Um, he's telling all of you to get on TikTok. Uh, Ringo is tuckered out right now. I had just taken him. Uh, and one of the other dogs for a very long walk on the beach in the cold, but it was lovely. And Ringo is just totally kaput at the bottom of my feet. So that's funny. Mate was barking at someone, probably playing on a playset next door. So that's okay. He's keeping you safe from those children, you know. He is. They're they're dangerous children over there. So. <laughs> I know. And the FedEx guys and the UPS guys and women who drive, you know, we have lots yeah. of that happening here. He's got beef with the UPS man, that's for sure. <laughs> he sees a brown truck anywhere, he just starts barking. He like, he'll be in the car and we'll be completely away from my house. We'll be at like a grocery store or something. UPS truck drives by, he goes crazy. He hates them. Yeah, those are those strangers who try to come to your house and and he's got to protect you. Yeah, but funny enough, they drop off his bark box that he loves every month, so he should probably like them. I think yeah, we got to we got to we got to work on that, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, we're on the TikTok. What's our TikTok handle? Does that even matter? I don't even know how it works. Yeah, you just got to go to House of Hockey podcast and we are there. Um pretty simple just i don't know just like the video share the video comment on the video comment on the video that'd be really cool yeah um the more you can share the best or the better and uh we'll get guests and it's it's a good time for everybody (laughs) (laughs) on that exciting note we should talk about the nhl all-star uh game which is happening 
the 2022 NHL All-Star, the rosters were officially released. And that game is happening on February 5th in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. It's going to be very exciting. If you don't really follow or care about the All-Star game, do you care about the All-Star game, Brucey? Do you watch it? Do you like it? I watch it, but it's just like kind of boring. It's just more of them having fun. I like the skills competition um, that I always think is really fun. So The skills competition is definitely a little bit more fun, I think, to watch. That They usually do that the day before. And yeah. it's fun to see the players together in those competitions, like standing next to each other and talking, like players that you wouldn't think would be like hanging out, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And, and just like shooting the shit while they're standing there waiting for their turn or whatever. So I don't know. I think that, do you think the players like it? I think they like it. I think they like it. I, I know the all-star game, there's been a little bit of a controversy around it about having to send a player from each team. And I think Nathan McKinnon commented on it, that it's, it, it should be more based off of, you know, skill and who a real all-star is and not necessarily like a partition participation trophy uh to be able to go so uh interesting thoughts there i think that there's some players going that you're like why are you going over like this guy but i mean who knows yeah i i mean there was definitely a few eyebrow raisers for me on the list of of people that are going that i thought really that guy you know i just I, I was a little confused and I know that the I wrote this down because I was like, who actually picks these guys? So it's a combination. I'm going to read it. The initial 10 players for each team include a team captain is voted in by the fans and nine players selected by NHL hockey operations. So who is that? Who who are those people? <laughs> who is on that committee is it a committee like is it Gary Batman like what's like how do they decide I mean a lot of the players are in the top points scoring so a lot of them are based on that um and then the rem remaining player for each divisional team is also voted in by the fans as the last man in and mm -hmm. that will be finalized after uh this has come out but there's a lot of uh, opportunity for the fans to really get involved, which is, I think, really what the league wants is why they, you know, have the fans voting. So some of them are just fan favorites then. But I think that makes yeah. the fans a little more invested to actually then want to watch the game, which is kind right. of the whole point. Of yeah, I mean, I vote. You can vote 10 times a day for uh, your picks. I, I vote 10 times a day. Roman Yossi isn't in it. I don't know why he's not in it. <laughs> You've been voting since it started for Roman Yossi. I've been voting since it started. I also think it is cool because it's like for the Kings, Adrian Kempe is going. And in general, you'd have an Andre Kokhtar or a Drew Doughty, which they could still go. But um, it's cool that other people are getting an opportunity. So Yeah. With the Blackhawks, I was surprised to see uh, Alex Dabrinkit. I mean, not really considering the points and goals he's scored in the tremendous season he's had. Um, again, that's all and thanks to Patrick Kane. But um, I'll leave that little uh, diatribe for another day. <laughs> but I I mean, that's cool. That's cool for him. I, I think, yeah. you know, Ovechkin's in again. Um, I mean, if you keep seeing the same players over and over and over again, it's like, okay, well, you know, we've, we've already seen this. So it's good that you're able to have new players come in that are having great seasons that, you know, maybe are taking places over – you know, those kinds of guys. But I mean, you also got to give credit where credit's due and they do deserve to be there as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, Joe Pavelski's going again, <laughs> I think again, right? He's been before. Yeah. He's been, a, yeah, he's been before. Jordan Cairo with the St. Louis Blues. He was a, he's a pretty big star for them right now. Um, Kaprizov for the wild. I think it's his first time going, um, your goalie for the pet the Preds is going. Saros yeah. is going. Yeah, Saros again. That's cool. I mean, he's had a great a great season. Um, it's well deserved, obviously. But you would think he would be more of a last man standing over Roman Yossi, who is 
absolutely fire for the Preds. So again, it's just it just kind of just depends on who it is. I think Roman will get in it, um, no doubt about that. Especially even with my votes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like Matt Barzal's not in it. I'm voting for Matt Barzal. I, mean, I know. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, he's obviously my vote again, but like you would think he'd be in it. So, I mean, it's crazy. It's 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 cool though. I mean, you get to vote, and when your player gets in, uh, if it's someone that you voted for, you do feel like you've been involved. So, I think it's yeah. a good thing that they allow that. Um, but I think maybe it should be all fan voted because I think you would get a more uh, variety of players. Yeah, I think it would probably be a little more entertaining as well. But then I don't know that you could call it the all-star game because if the fans are voting, then it's like fan favorites, like fan choice, you know? And then... well, I mean, you could put like a selection of like the all-stars, right? I mean, if you have like, I don't know, say you got to figure each team has at least a good solid five, five core man group, right? So mm-hmm. if you're to put those five up, you can vote between those five because those are te- technically be the all-stars, right? So, oh, okay, yeah. Like if we, yeah, if the league chose the quote all-stars and then the fans chose, yeah. Right, yeah. I actually like that. I actually like that. We should take that to Gare Bear and see what he has to say about it. Oh, yeah, we'll give him a, a good old call after this pod. <laughs> Do you mind the three-on-three style? Some people don't like that. I think it's fun. I mean, I, I like it when it's overtime. It gives, I mean, it's going to make the game go by faster. I think it kind of changes things up. You have to be on your A game. Um, a lot of open ice. There's a lot of room for fun plays to happen. So I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it'll be a nice uh, little break for everybody. And hopefully everyone stays safe and healthy as well in the interim, since we've got like over a hundred games that need to be rescheduled um, <laughs> and played before the season ends, I read. It's like, that's a lot of games. So, you know, there's that. Anything else on the All-Star game you have to say? No, we got on the All-Star game. The only other thing I have to say is that was a bold choice for the league to put it in Las Vegas, considering how much the majority of the players love Vegas and love having a good time in Vegas. <laughs> and I mean, I know they take this seriously to some degree, um, the all-star game, but I mean, let's see how, let's see how the guys who come back from the all-star game, and if they can recover for the rest of the season, like from a um, alcohol standpoint, or am I being judgmental? Oh, I think you're being a little judgmental, but we all know what happens. So um, <laughs> they are professional athletes. They they got to be on their A game. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, but it's Vegas and it's the all-star game. So who cares? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something else exciting, though. There was history made this week with your LA Kings, actually, are uh, being written about in the history books. Yeah. I'm going to take a stab at her name, so forgive me if it's wrong. Aisha Visram, she became the first woman in NHL history to be behind the bench as an athletic trainer. She's the head athletic trainer for the AHL's Ontario Reign and is believed to be the first female to work behind the bench in an NHL game ever. And she was called up because of COVID-related protocol issues with the Kings staff. And so they brought her up. And that was pretty incredible to see. And it's also terribly shocking and awful that she's, that it's just now happening that we've had a woman behind an NHL bench in any capacity, regardless of like, uh, she was filling in for COVID-related things. But um it's about time i I mean let's do it let's do this nhl let's let's put women behind the bench let's see what happens then you know let's see what happens with the play and i don't know i think it's i think it's exciting that i thought it was worthy enough to to mention here for people who might have missed that headline yeah, and the Kings played phenomenal that night as well. And it was what was really cool is uh, a lot of the players reposted 
the photo, uh, whether it was a story or on on their feed, uh, basically congratulating uh, Aisha and everything that she was able to do. And um, it was really cool to see that the guys supported her as well. Yeah, I think the Kings players do a really good job of that kind of thing, too. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of the teams do, but I feel like the Kings have I've seen a lot from the players um, just like social media wise of being really supportive of things outside of hockey per se, you know, socially and things like that. So, yeah, there's a good um, solid group of guys that are a part of the team that are kind of in the younger generation, I would say. I mean, you have um, the young guns is, is what we tend to call them, but um, they're coming in. And I mean, Andre Kopitar usually does something. So he's, he's a little bit more present than per se, like a Dustin Brown or, or a Drew Daddy. He doesn't even really do much, but uh, Adrian Kempe is, is really up there. Matt Roy is up there. So um, Blake Lazat, I mean, you got Trevor Moore. I mean, they're all posting for it. So it's good to have that solid group of, of young guys who are in social media who are able to to post it and, and push it and, and kind of get young eyes on there too. So I think they're doing a good job. They are. They are. Anything they are. interesting going on in your in your life these days? Uh, no, I did get my uh, free jersey that I <gasps> won from, from the Preds. It came yesterday. Who, um, who did they end up sending again? I don't remember. I have it right here. It's uh, Ryan Johansson. So they sent it in this cool little bag, little Preds bag, little – authenticity whatever that card is um and it's signed right yeah so it's he actually signed it now if you're not watching on video i'm sorry but he actually signed it pretty big like right on the bottom right there um so pretty cool awesome jersey uh super excited i don't know what to do with it you gotta get it framed right yeah i don't know if i want to i have two jerseys framed currently that are signed i'm running out of space on my wall so i can't really do too much um time to redecorate brazy but i think i have some ideas coming up on decorating and potential new decorating i'll be doing so um we'll we'll see what happens with that but yeah really cool the preds to do that um if you don't play uh if you're a preds fan and you're not playing this thing i would do it even if you don't win it's still fun to do Uh, there's tons of opportunity for you to win signed pucks glass seats seats the lexus lounge uh floor there's like seats that they are just given out left and right signed jerseys there's a lot of uh a lot of cool things so if you're not playing nashville selector uh you should do it <laughs> not an ad not an ad not an ad i mean it can be if they if they want it to be but uh not an ad not an ad uh speaking yeah. of jerseys and team gear i have decided that Ooh. I need to be an owner of a Patrick Kane Blackhawks official jersey with his name and number on the back, home color red, because mm-hmm. one day soon in the near future, I fear that he will no longer be part of the team. And I need to own a piece of that history for me. Yeah. And whether or not I wear it, I don't know. It might just be preserved, like, you know, to have. But we'll try it out at a game and see if it's good luck or not. And I think that's kind of how I'm going to decide if, if we wear it or not. <laughs> but okay. um, so I went on the website, the Blackhawks store, to order mm-hmm. it because I want, like, official sh- shit. I don't want to – I'm I'm going the – just throwing money away on this yeah. official jersey. <laughs> But what I don't understand is the sizing. And they don't have a size chart because it's a jersey. And I was like, where's the size chart? I don't know what this means. So there's extra, extra small. and But then it has the number 42. And then there's extra small. And that's 44. Mm-hmm. And then the ups, it's like 48, 50. I'm like, I don't know what that means. What is that measurement? I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I don't buy men's clothes ever. Is that like chest? Yeah. I think with the pads on, I think that's what the chest is. If you want a small, it's a 46. I know that. What is, but how do I, I have a tape measure. Where am I measuring from my shoulder to shoulder? Well, I mean, I think in general, you would probably just go off of like, well, what size would you think you would wear? 
I mean, you can get an extra small or a small or a medium. It just kind of depends on how you want it to be fit. Well, I don't want it to be too small. But I think you'd have to measure with pads on. But I'm not going to wear pads. Right. Okay. So All right. I'd probably say, okay, if you would normally be a small, but this is a small with pads on, you'd probably want to maybe size down. Do extra small, but not extra, extra. Right. Because this is how my brain works. I'm like, there is no, there is no return on the custom because it's a custom jersey. Like if you put right. their name on it and their number. So like I can't send it back. And then right. I'm, I don't want to not be able to wear it if I get something that's too small. Right. So, but then is the extra small going to be too big? These are the, these are the crazy well, things in my brain. <laughs> small. So you have a small. So how does the your grid? The small is too big. Okay. It's too big, like long on the arms. Right. I ha like I can't do any. I can't do anything, Breezy. <laughs> if you were okay, watching so on video, I was just like waving my hand because the sleeve okay, goes so, so over. So go extra small. So if your small is currently a forty-six, then you would probably want to go down to maybe like a forty-two, which would be an extra small. Okay. This right. is good information. I don't know. I was like, I don't know what these numbers are. This is a big purchase. This is an investment. I cannot screw this up. I got to get it right. And I got to consult with Breezy. There you go. Well, consulting has been completed. <laughs> Thank you. And then the other thing I'm on a mission for, this is for all Vegas Golden Knights fans in Las Vegas. I need your help. Because they don't sell this shirt online. They're the Pride Night shirts that they made a couple weeks ago are so cool. It says love and it's kind of like a 3D thing. And the V is the Golden Knights helmet because it looks like a V for in love. Did, did that make sense what I explained? Yeah. And I want either like the t-shirt, probably not the jersey, um, but either the t-shirt or there's a crew neck sweatshirt and they won't sell they don't sell it online and i called the armory which is their store in the, in the building um and they have the sweatshirts but if anybody goes to a game and can find the t-shirt let me know i'll venmo you money for shipping and like you could buy me the shirt and send it to me i think a small we should probably figure out the sizes at this point but i'm gonna go with a small because it's probably a unisex situation um hit me up slide into my dms slide into the podcast dms i need this shirt i love it i think it's so cool and i could wear it like every day and not feel like i'm just promoting the nights because it's sort of subtle Right. Um, but I want to support the pride LGBTQ plus community and the ones for the Blackhawks I either haven't seen or are they're not memorable enough, but they're really cool. The ones for Vegas. Awesome. Well, so I hope that, you get it. That's where I'm at. I know. I texted a friend of mine who lives there and I was like, Hey, uh, next time you go to the game, I need you to buy me one of these shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I haven't heard back from him yet, but I got to bug him again. And I have no plans of, of heading to Vegas anytime soon or else I would just go myself um, and buy it. But anyway, that's that's how my mind works at stores. I'm like, but do I get a small? Do I get an extra, extra small? Is that too small? It's a little obsessive, like type A control freak thing. But uh, that's <laughs> that's how I roll. It's a big deal. You can't mess it up, you know? No, you can't. I mean... I think anybody and everybody goes through that situation because there's articles of clothing that you want to fit bigger or more, you know, fitting. So I, I overthink. I overthink things. You know this about me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know that everybody on the podcast listeners have, has heard the overthinking, um, but that's a lot of my life. They're probably um, going, like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, can she just shut up already? Um, anyway, that's all I got. That's where I'm at. That's all you got. That's where you're at. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Enjoy the interview, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode of the House of Hockey podcast is brought to you by 
We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, that's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, big welcome to the house. We have Mark Brunengraber. Well, that's the fancy way I tried to say it. Um, Brunengraber. <laughs> um, he is one of the men behind the IEHL, which stands for the Is- Israel Elite Hockey League. And he's going to tell us all about it, how it started, what hockey is like in Israel, and so much more. So welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's nice to speak with both of you. Um, Yeah, uh, the IEHL is, uh, it's a summer league. Basically, hockey in Israel is a developing sport. It's a minor sport. Uh, It began at the very beginning of the 1990s. And uh, for most of its existence, it was played on one rink in the far north of the country on the border uh, with Lebanon. So to try and develop a competitive um, national league and, and national team program on one rink that's shared with, uh, you know, figure skating, public skate, you name it, a bit of a challenge, especially when you're trying to teach kids and all different age groups. Eventually, it branched out into... Um, the one rink in the far north and then uh, a half size rink uh, in a suburb of Tel Aviv in the central of the uh, part of the country called Halon. And they play four on four plus goalies because of the size. So with all of that, Israel has developed national leagues for all different age groups, including the top league. And uh, they have a national team program and they're an IIHF member. And out of the eight international tiers israel usually competes in the fourth or fifth highest tier out of eight so they've done really well with very limited resources um basically what we try and do with the iehl which is now going to be heading into its second season this june uh is really help develop the game in the country by bringing in semi-professional uh elite amateur and even professional players to mix with the israeli players and uh, give them an ability to learn from them, mix with them, play with and against them. And uh, it helps the guys coming, uh, you know, from other countries to our league. You know, they get the chance to keep their game skills sharp as opposed to just attending some camps in the summer. And what's really great about it is they get to see a country that for a lot of people is a really special place. Um, You know, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Christian, whether you're Muslim, uh, it's the heart of monotheistic faith. So so at, at, even if you're not religious at all, just the archaeology and history behind it and, and the beauty is is great. So guys come and, uh, you know, they live in Tel Aviv uh, within a 10-minute walk tops from the beach and uh, in a Mediterranean environment. Uh, and, and you've got archaeology, history, nightlife, restaurants, the beach, and, and hockey. So it's it's really a home run for everybody involved. That seems sort of like a no-brainer for summer. Like you, you that's an easy sell for me at least. And I would imagine for a lot of the a lot of the guys. Like, um, you wanna go yeah. live in this 
beautiful country, go to the beach when you're not playing in your summer games and like get to experience something beautiful. Like that to me sounds like a pretty easy, uh, easy sell. But so tell us then what's your official like title role involvement in the IEHL? Okay, so I'm one of the co-owners, I'm one of the co-founders, and I'm the co-commissioner. So uh, there's myself, there's uh, my partner Talav Neri in Israel. We also have a silent investor as well who's a partner. Um, but the way it started really was I, uh, my background is I'm a, a Jewish New Yorker. So other than <laughs> Israel, you know, New York has the biggest Jewish community in the world. So uh um, you know, Israel's the, the, the land of, um, you know, my ancestors in essence. So I grew up playing hockey on Long Island, uh, before it really became big the way it is today, because I'm, I'm 50. Um, so I missed, uh, you know, the whole explosion of talent from Long Island, but I played uh, high school hockey here in New York in a town called West Islip. And then later on, I played college hockey for Binghamton. Uh, State University of New York at Binghamton, mm -hmm. and I was a goalie. And um, wait, do I then you still play? Oh yeah, you're yeah, still yeah. you still play in the IEHL every summer. Oh you God, go no, over no, there? no 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 no! I don't no. play in the league. I'm 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 50 <laughs> years old, but I I still so? play men's league at home. <laughs> I I try and stay in shape, but I still like a lot of former players. I I play men's league now, but okay. um, no, I don't I don't play in the league at 50. But uh, yeah, I, I, I played, uh, you know, college hockey. And then when I, I went to law school, became a lawyer, that's what I do, you know, primarily for a living. And um, as I was in law school, I heard about the Israeli League, the National League, which, um, you know, the IIHF official National League of Israel. And I was intrigued, but this is really at the dawn of the internet, mm -hmm. kind of before your time. But in my time, when I was in college, the internet was a new thing. So I wrote an old fashioned letter uh, inquiring and I got some responses back and I actually had an offer to play for a club um, in the league called HC Bat Yam. Uh, that's also a suburb of, of Tel Aviv, uh, a little south. And I thought about going, I didn't, and I always regretted it. So the internet came around and I became involved with a website called International Hockey Forums. And that was a website in English. Not everybody was a native English speaker, but you could kind of figure out what was being said. And it was a website to talk about hockey in every basically backwater hockey country you could ever think of. <laughs> Israel was one of them. I became involved and, and over the next couple of years, all of a sudden, I became the go-to guy to get information about Israeli hockey. People from all different sections and factions and clubs and political, you know, every, every country, whether it's USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, Russia, all the way down to a country like Israel, you know, there's intrigue. There's, mm -hmm. there's politics. So all of a sudden, people started feeding me all different information there was a lot of corruption in the federation that ran Israeli hockey at the time. And I actually uh, put it on to the IIHF, the International Ice Hockey Federation. And we helped bring that regime down and wow. uh, really clean it, clean everything up. So all of a sudden I became um, something of a go-to guy uh, and met a whole bunch of Israelis online. And then uh, years later, they decided they were going to have a uh, the national team or at least part of it come do a couple of exhibition games in North America to raise awareness and some money. And they didn't have money to bring the whole team. So they brought two lines and then they decided let's get some American and Canadian Jews who can skate basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so they, a couple of the guys, Tal and, and, and the guy by the name of Avishai Geller, who was the captain of the team at the time contacted me and said, look, we know you're a former goalie. Do you want to play? We're going to play MIT up in Boston. Uh, do you want to play? And at that point, I was 42 and I hadn't skated in eight years because, <laughs> you know, I, I was building my law practice. I got married. I had kids. So I said, I don't I don't think you guys really want me to do that. Um, <laughs> and they said, uh, it doesn't matter. Come play. So at the time, the coach of the national team was uh, Jean Perron, who won the cup with the Canadians in 1986. Oh, not um, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was kind of surreal walking into the locker room and, and he's there. And, um, you know, 
I, I only played, I played part of the second period. I want to say I played like the last seven or eight minutes of the second period, but he stuck me in, in a four, three game uh, with Israel leading by one. I think it was uh, leading down one. It was a four, three game. I just remember him tapping me on the shoulder and uh, am I allowed to say what he really said on the, of course. On the oh yeah. I, we're explicit. Okay. Okay. So, so he taps me on the shoulder and he has the French accent. He says, Mark, get your shit. You're in. <laughs> and I and I and I looked and I said, what? And get your shit. You're in now. So I bad French accent. I apologize. But, uh, you know, a, a Stanley Cup winning coach taps you on the shoulder and says, get in, you get in. So if you look at the <laughs> if you look at the tape, I, I literally inched my way from the bench, uh, you know, to the crease and kind of soaked it all in. And I and I'm thinking to myself. A Stanley Cup winning coach just threw me in net for a national team program. I'm 42 years old, and I'm going to play kids half my age in a second. And what am I doing here? But I settled in, and, and I in seven minutes, I saw five shots. I stopped them all. Um, they did score a goal that got disallowed. Which nice. Was <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah. So that was cool. And uh, yeah, so that kind of started everything off with the program. I, I became more and more involved as a volunteer. Um, I ended up playing, uh, five exhibition games with the team over a couple of years. Uh, we played some NHL alumni teams and, um, yeah, you know, we played, we, yeah. I saw, so before we started, you sent me a bunch of pictures and names and stuff. Like, yeah. I'm just going to rattle off a couple of the names that you've gotten to play sure. with and, and then tell us how that's all connected with this program. Sure. So goalie, sure. Marty Turco, uh, mm -hmm. Tyler Kennedy, and then mm -hmm. I don't want to butcher this one's name because these are from a different time from Breezy and I growing up. So Aron Ashan or is it Aaron? Oh, Aaron Ashan. Aaron. Okay, there we yeah, go. Aaron 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 Ashan. Yeah. We're he not the best the with whole... names, like Breezy said yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's all right. He he Aaron played for the Islanders, the Rangers, the Flyers. He basically did the Metropolitan Division, the Devils. So. Uh, he, he was through the Metro. Um, I've been lucky. I mean, uh, through the Israeli program, I've been on the ice and gotten to compete against uh, Glenn Anderson, Guy Carboneau, um, you know, guys like uh, Greg Adams, who played against the Rangers in 94 for the Canucks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a big Ranger guy, so that was exciting for me. Uh, but, but I, you know, Chris and Peter Ferraro, um, you know, uh, uh, Radek Martinek, Matt Gilroy. So a lot of different... Um, a lot of different NHL players I, I've been on with, you know, recently, as recently as August, 2018, I was training in the summer with, um, I have a, a friend of mine through the Israeli program and he trains NHLers for a living. Uh, his name's Dushan Kralik. He's up in uh, Canada and he's a former pro in Europe. And uh, so he had me on the ice with uh, Chris Tanev and Brandon Tanev. That was, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I was that was a lot of fun. I, I have some videos of me making some great saves, but what you don't see are the videos. You know, there's got to be a thirty second clip where they probably put six past me in thirty seconds, but it's it's fun. <laughs> you know, it's the way it is. It's listen. At that time, I was forty six or forty seven, and uh, you know, I'm a lawyer at a desk, so if I can stop anything uh, like like one of these emergency backups, I, I felt I felt pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> But I, I, you know, really what we do with this is the national team games, uh, the IEHL, it's all designed to grow the game in Israel among the public and uh, help support the program. And, and really, because of the unique political situation that the country finds itself in uh, as a flashpoint for oftentimes, you know, uh, unwarranted criticism by people who've never really been there, I use it as a way to fight, you know, the boycott, divestment, sanctions effort directed at the country. Um, you know, if you've never been there, if you go on the ground, you'll see people of Jewish, Christian, Muslim faith, and they, they get along, they live together. Really, what you hear about in the media is, you know, if you have radical elements of a certain group that want to destroy an entire nation and its people, um, you know, that that becomes an issue. And, and if that becomes the narrative in the media, it kind of it kind of hurts things. So if you bring Israeli hockey to North America and Europe and places where people have never met an Israeli before and they see 
that they're regular human beings and they're not all just Jewish people either. Um, you know, on the national team, there's there's plenty of guys of Christian faith. There's been Muslim players in the Israeli National League. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great way to educate people about the country and what it is. And, and for our summer league, for the IEHL, uh, it's a great way, like I said, to help the Israeli players improve while allowing semi-pro, pro, and elite amateur players to really get a unique cultural experience, a unique uh, beach and light, nightlife experience, and keep their skills sharp during the summer. Um, so, so really what the IEHL was, was Tal and I decided uh, somebody needed to do something to build the level of skill. And, and there are some very good Israeli players, but, but there's not enough. So our idea was what could we do to entice pros and, and elite semi-pro and amateur players to come to Israel? Why would they want to come? You're not going to get them to give up thriving careers either in college or junior or in a pro league somewhere to come to the Israeli National League during the season. So why not do something in the summer that might entice somebody away from doing just a regular camp? And that's what, this is what we came up with. That's awesome. I mean, is there anything going on currently that would be like marketing hockey to people in Israel to try to even get, you know, parents to have their kids take an interest in it to, to want to play. And maybe, you know, the, your summer league would be like a stepping stone to getting to where they would want to be. Is there anything like that going on? Well, there's, you know, there's different, um, you know, there's different in the national league, there's different clubs, right? Different teams, same way you have NHL teams. Uh, Unlike in the NHL, but similar to Europe, if you look in, say, the Swedish or German or Swiss leagues, any of these leagues, um, even the Russian leagues, you know, big leagues in Europe, the clubs all have varying age divisions. So, you know, take the Central Red Army Club, famous, famous CSKA Moscow in, in Russia. They'll have a, a team for U8, U10, U12, U14. Right. So, so the Israeli clubs do the same thing to teach kids. Um, and there are leagues at the national level for those age groups. They're not nearly the kind of skill that you'll find in Europe or in North America, but they're growing. Our league is more, you know, it's, it's at this stage, it's a summer league that's at a semi-pro level. Um, we had guys in our prime, uh, you know, premier season last summer. Um, we had guys with NCAA D3 experience, ACHA club experience. We had guys with um, true junior A and junior B experience. You know, U.S. junior has remodeled itself over the last decade. They call it tier one, two, and three. So mm -hmm. we had some tier three guys, which in Canada would be basically junior B. Um, we had German third and fourth league. We had uh, guys who played junior in Austria and Russia. So, so there were some guys of some significant skill. And uh, this summer, we have some really cool players coming. Um, Anybody you can tell us about? I mean, I know you're expanding. Yep. So the, yep. the current summer league's four teams. I'm just going to rattle off the, the names. You've got mm -hmm. um, HC Tel Aviv, the Holon, mm -hmm. Holon, yep. Holon, Holon. Yep. Vipers, uh, Jerusalem Capitals, and the Batyam Dolphins. And now you're adding mm -hmm. two more teams this summer, right? Yes. Uh, so we're going to add uh, the Haifa Mariners and we have a team in Netanya, which is another coastal city in the north, uh, working on a club name for that team. Cool. Uh, suge suggestions welcome. <laughs> but, uh, well, can you, know, you tease yet. any of the players that are coming or yeah. no? Yep. Yep. Uh, well, for one, um, we have Eliza Sherbatov, who's a famous Israeli player who plays full time pro. He played in the KHL one season for Slovan Bratislava. He was in North America in the Quebec Major Junior League. Uh, he played pro in France, Slovakia, Latvia, let's see, Kazakhstan. Wow. And he's cur currently playing pro in uh, the Ukraine. Uh, but like I said, he does have a full KHL season under his belt. He's, uh, I guess, 30 years old now. And um, if you go on YouTube, he scored a very famous goal with a couple million views uh, when Israel played Greece years ago in the World Championships. Cool. He, he scored a crazy breakaway through through the legs goal. Uh, so Sherby's going to come. We have a, a full-time KHL player uh, coming, Ethan Werek, who's a Canadian. And um, 
he's got some Israeli background and uh, he's actually currently playing for the Chinese owned club in the KHL, uh, Kunlun Red Star. We have David Levin, who um, he played, uh, you know, for the Sudbury Wolves for several years in um, the Ontario, you know, in major junior. And he's been playing professionally in Europe. We also have, I can't name yet, but we do have one current NHL player with significant interest. So, yeah. What's interesting about, yeah, the only issue is uh, insurance coverage and getting permission (laughs) from his team to do it. So if it doesn't work out that he can play, he's still going to come and coach one of the teams. So we'll see. That is super cool. We had guys last year from, besides Israel, the U.S., Canada, uh, Russia, Germany, and France in the league. So, uh, and we have probably right now roughly 400 players that have contacted us about spots. You know, obviously not everybody's going to be able to play. We look at everybody's uh, CV, you know, that that sends in an application. We have a form and we look at their elite prospects and we look at their CV and then uh, we'll make decisions about who's going to be offered spots from there. Wow. So tell us what does the world need to know, or at least the hockey world and our listeners need to know about sort of the culture and community of Israel, like outside of what we have heard or, you know, in, in the media, that kind of thing. Like, what is the experience like to come over there? Let's just go with in the summertime like if they were coming to watch a game in the in the summer league, like what would the people be like? What's the food, culture, atmosphere? Just sort of describe that to us. Well, the rink, you know, the Israeli hockey community is pretty small. So, you know, in the National League itself, during the normal year, there's six clubs. Uh, there's some, you know, I guess what you would call minor leagues that have clubs too, but there's essentially six clubs uh, with four owners. So they're kind of, a lot of them are interconnected <laughs> and it's a relatively small community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, fan size can be anywhere from 50 people a game to a thousand people a game. It depends where they're playing and which teams are playing. Um, you know, for our league, which was a new league and, uh, you know, all the teams in our league are centrally owned. So it's not like the national league where it's different clubs competing with each other. Everything in our league is centrally owned. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a new product for the hockey community. So attendance for weeknights was pretty light. We did get some good crowds, um, on the weekend games. And then, uh, as we got into the playoffs, but what's nice is if you, if you go to the rink in Halone, um, which is a really tiny rink. It's called Ice Peaks, and it's only suitable to play four-on-four plus goalies because of the size. Um, it's crazy because the fans are – it can fit about 500, but when they have 500 people in there, it feels like you're in Madison Square Garden and everybody's <laughs> right on top of you. So it's a crazy atmosphere when it gets crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it's quiet, it's quiet. But again, it's a growing sport. Uh, food-wise, if you're at the rink – it's like being in North America, pretty much. Uh, if you step outside the rink, is a Wait, different Wait, like story. popcorn, peanuts, hot dogs, oh, yeah. pizza. Oh, sure. Okay. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, if you step outside the rink, though, you know, if you're in Tel Aviv and, and you're walking from your hotel to the beach and you go into what they call the shuk, which is the Middle Eastern market, you can find some unbelievable food there. And it's only a few bucks. You know, American, you can eat like a king for nine bucks. It's, it's unbelievable. Very cool. You know, we we had uh, shawarma and we had pitas and falafel and all kinds of different wraps with grilled meat and vegetables. And you can find all kinds of nuts and dried fruit and spices. And it's it's crazy. It's a lot of fun. Jerusalem is ancient, steeped in history and uh, not as crazy at night. Tel Aviv is I like to joke Tel Aviv is basically Miami with more Jews. It's uh <laughs> You know, is that even it's possible? A, it's a, yeah, I think it is, actually, if you go to Tel Aviv. But instead of hearing Spanish, you'll hear Hebrew and English, you know, instead of right. Spanish and English. And you'll hear some <laughs> Russian. That's what you'll hear. How but it's funny. it's fun. Um, you know, my my partner in the league, Tal, his uh, his wife is, is a really big uh, club and party promoter in Tel Aviv. So one of the things we do for our players is they'll get into the good clubs. They'll get into, uh, you know, we did a uh, like a 
all white party on a rooftop in Tel Aviv, that kind of thing at night. So it's it's fun. Um, I can tell you what's not good is when you're I, I turned 50 in October. So during the season, I was 49. When you're 49 years old and you go out with guys half your age and you're at an outdoor club in Tel Aviv called Shalvata, which is, fits about a thousand people outside on the water. And uh, they're, they're making you drink vodka with a bunch of crazy <laughs> Russians and Germans. And, and you're standing up on about a five foot bench of some kind and you fall and crack your knee through a table. Mm -hmm. that, that's not that much fun at my age, but uh, it's, that didn't uh, happen to you, though. That's just hypothetical. Well, hypothetically, sure. Hypothetically, <laughs> my hypothetically, my knee hurt for hmm, a couple of months, and my wife yelled at me, and it was fun. Yeah, it's a good time. It it's was a, a, lot good, of fun. a story you got to relive and retell here for for all. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're selling yeah. it. You really are. I mean, there's not much to sell. Now, is there any sort of tradition when it comes to any of the teams with the fans where they do any chance or is there like a theme like goal song that's just like super iconic or anything I, of that sort? I don't know that they have that so much in Israel certainly not with the IEHL yet because like I said we just finished our first season um as far as the teams in Israel themselves you have to remember the the league itself is played uh really on two sheets of ice mm -hmm. uh there's now a third rink that's been built uh, and we will probably be, be holding our second season there if all things work out. Uh, it's a rink called One Ice um, in a suburb of Netanya. But, uh, and that's a, a, an Olympic-sized sheet. There, but the league is basically held, uh, the National League's basically held in two spots. It's in Metula on the border with Lebanon in a, in a rink called the Canada Center that is an Olympic-sized sheet. And then in Halon on that tiny four-on-four -four sheet. So... Um, I don't know that they have so much iconic chants or goal songs or anything because they all play on the same sheets. Uh, but, you know, there are rivalries, you know, um, the team that I almost played for back in the day, uh, which is HC Batyam, uh, they, they have a huge rivalry with a team, uh, the Rishon Devils. And uh, <laughs> it gets nasty out there. It's, it's, it's the, you know, the, they've won, alternately the championship going back probably close to close to 10 years now it's been one of those two teams winning so uh the the rivalry has really developed and uh it can get pretty ugly on the ice and in the stands but um but i, I don't know that the chance or, or it, it doesn't have the same kind of culture that that north american hockey has like that uh but but the fans get into it you know certainly right. Are they wearing like the jerseys, like, you know, how here everybody's like wearing their jersey for their respective teams? Is it the same there or is that still building? It's building, but you do see it. Um, you know, some of the teams you don't as much, but but certainly um, Rishon, uh, Batyam, uh, and also uh, there's a team in the far north, uh, Matula. They just changed their name. They used to be Maccabi Matula, but now... They are Maccabi Matula North Stars. And they have a really cool, they have a couple of different jerseys, but one of them is, um, it's like a dark blue with uh, kind of like a gold. And it's got a big M. It almost looks like a Michigan jersey, but uh, <laughs> not, not, not quite. Um, why they do it, a lot of them, they have a lot of English on it, I guess, because although Hebrew is the dominant language in Israel, but you also see a lot of English, Russian, and Arabic. Um, but I guess English just being the international language of commerce and trade, uh, they tend to do that on purpose really to try and market it a little. Mm -hmm. What I've done with the IEHL is kind of drawn it back. I'm looking to put more Hebrew on the logos to market it more to a domestic fan base. So I have um, behind me here, I have the, the Jerusalem Capitals jersey. If I grab it. Yeah, go ahead. And hold it up for you a little bit. You can see, I don't know if I have the logo on there, but yeah. uh, you can see that there's, you know, there's Hebrew on it and English. And uh, so, you know, that was really done by design. So that says Yerushalayim, which is uh, Hebrew for Jerusalem. So we have it in both, uh, you know, Hebrew and in English so that, you know, people can feel a little connected to it. We don't want to be just in, in Israel. Uh, um, 
English speakers are called Anglos, Anglo speakers. We don't want to just market to the Anglo communities. We, we really want to branch out to everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, the National League in Israel has really kind of suffered from being viewed as, you know, the sport is viewed as a Russian and as an Anglo sport. And there are large Russian and Anglo communities in the, in the country. Uh, but we'd like it to grow so that it encompasses, you know, speakers of all the languages, you know, both Hebrew, Arabic, as well as the Russian and, and the English. What other um, kind of logos or what inspires the logos from these names uh, on the jerseys? And do you have any other logos that you could share with us? As far as the IEHL goes, Jerusalem, we obviously very purposely chose the capital's name uh, because of Jerusalem's deep connection to the Jewish people, to the state of Israel. So, so that name was chosen by design. In fact, if you look at the jersey, uh, what you'll notice is you'll see bricks on the jersey. Mm -hmm. That's uh, to represent the Western Wall in Jerusalem, uh, the remnants of the Second Temple from biblical times. So that was purposely designed. And uh, the lion in the middle is the seal of the city. Mm -hmm. So that, that was purposely designed. Um, Halone with the Vipers, that name was picked because we needed, um, you know, how many teams have a cool predatory animal, but we wanted something, uh, we wanted something you could actually find in Israel, right? You know, you're not going to find a, a tiger or a grizzly bear in Israel, but, but Vipers you'll find in the desert. So we picked, uh, the Halone Vipers for that. Um, as far as the HC Dolphins. Tel Aviv. Yeah, well, Bat Yam is a, mm -hmm. it's a suburb south of Tel Aviv, and it's on the Mediterranean Sea. So that was a kind of obvious one. Um, and then uh, same thing for Haifa, the new team coming in. We, we chose the Mariners because it's a very famous port city uh, with a long history of shipping. So we did that. Uh, and, and for Tel Aviv, you know, HC is just typical throughout Europe for hockey club. Mm -hmm. uh, we did not choose a name for Tel Aviv other than HC because Tel Aviv on its own is such an iconic city, but at the same time, it lacks, it's, it's a modern city. It doesn't have the ancient history that many other Israeli cities have. So we just figured, let it just use its own name. And uh, we kind of rolled with it from there. And that's, that's how we really picked the names. So is the national team going to the Olympics this year? Oh God, no! That would be great. But, <laughs> Sorry, uh, I have no idea. It, I didn't mean that as no, an insult. No, that's okay. No, not it's not an insult. It would it would be a dream. Okay. Uh, but the to put the Israeli national team in perspective, the top line is guys like like Sherbatov, for example, who play in European pro leagues. Uh, maybe what you would call if not minor leagues, like mid-level European pro leagues. And, uh, you know, we've got on the national team um, on defense, uh, there's a guy by the name of Dan Spivak. Dan's in his early 30s. He played uh, Division One hockey for uh, uh, RIT. Mm -hmm. And he actually captained them to the Frozen Four, the only time the school made the Frozen Four. Cool. Uh, and he played, uh, he played in the ECHL. The depth is not the same right. as the bigger countries. Um, so in the Olympics, <clears throat> they they they'd take a beating. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting to me to see what China's doing, and and actually quite annoying because if you <laughs> if you've been following what's happening with China, they almost got thrown out of the competition, even though they're the hosts. Um, and the IIHF had meeting after meeting to decide what to do, and they ultimately allowed them to play. They were going to throw them out for if you can look it right up mm -hmm. insufficient sporting standard <clears throat> excuse me mm -hmm. so that means they what? Were that means not yeah, high enough means, quality of players yeah, not talented would, enough games you know 30 nothing 35 nothing. if you're playing Connor mcdavid <laughs> yeah and uh you know patrick kane and mika zabanajad and guys like that they'd lose you know by ugly ugly scores mm. so would israel i mean it, it doesn't mean that they're bad hockey players i mean if you've ever um but know, it's the olympics like that's the whole yeah, thing like it's the olympics you're supposed to be the elite top of the world representing yeah. your country so that makes sense you know yeah but with israel you know every four years there's the uh the maccabiah games which is in essence like the world jewish olympics uh 
And it's, it's actually the biggest sporting event in the world other than the Olympics. And they've had hockey the last couple of events. So in 2017, um, they needed to fill out some teams. So, of course, uh, there's not that many uh, Jewish athletes for hockey. So they invited, because of the Israeli Federation having good relations with Ukraine and Russia and some of these federations, they sent teams from France and Germany, Ukraine, Russia. The, the team that Russia sent was... Uh, pros from their second league called the VHL under mm -hmm. the KHL. And they sent guys from their third league, uh, which is called the Purveya League. And then they sent guys from their major junior league called the MHL. So it was a mix of second and third pro leagues, uh, plus some junior players. They played the Israeli team. They beat them, I want to say, I think it was like 7-4. And then they had another game that was 5-3, something like that. So so the Israelis were close, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, they didn't get blown away, but they're also not playing Ovechkin. You know, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a lot different to say you're playing a mix of guys from the Russian second and third league and, and uh, some junior guys as opposed to, uh, you know, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov. It's just a right. different ball game, you know? Yeah, no, no, it's a different but, thing. What is, the, what is the most popular sport in Israel? Um, I would say it's either soccer or basketball. Uh, they both have well-developed professional leagues there. Uh, you know, soccer is the world's game, right? Yeah. So um, they, they, they have a, a well-developed league there, but basketball is huge, mm -hmm. huge in Israel. What do you think um, needs to happen in order to grow the sport in Israel um, as far as making it more, you know, maybe it's televised or maybe there's, you know, a, a popular basketball player isn't, you know, a, an ally and starts kind of coming out and preaching it. Like, what would you think would be the best thing to do to grow the sport in Israel? Well, you've hit two of them right off the bat. Uh, one of the things we're working on is trying to get the league televised on, um, you know, major Israeli television channels. The National League actually has only been televised once or twice. I remember, Jeez. I want to say back in 2014, uh, one of the Russian language channels, you know, that has a national reach in Israel televised the championship game. It's not like a series what, like we have with the Stanley Cup. It's just, it's more like the Super Bowl. It's one game, one and done. Uh, but they televised that game back in 2014, but there was no real momentum from it. <clears throat> you know, so, so yeah, getting a contract for, television uh would help we are as the iehl trying to negotiate to get on some israeli television channels um you know getting some major newspaper coverage there used to be some from the jerusalem post years ago uh it would be nice to see that come back but the biggest thing to me would be to get a couple of celebrities whether athletes or or you know movie type people musicians um you know, but, but look, if I could get Gal Gadot to, to wear the yes. uh, Jerusalem jersey, that would be fantastic. Exactly. Um, I think this coming season for the IEHL, having some KHL players, especially, you know, other than the NHL, it's the best league in the world. It's the Russian league. There's a huge Russian population in Israel. I think having a couple of KHLers come, uh, they're going to help with some children's camps mm -hmm. uh, and help uh, teach some Israeli kids the game. So having some KHL players come is going to help. Having an NHL player, if we get him, is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, I get it. It's really getting on TV and getting onto the social media of, of some some bigger names. The more corporate sponsorship we can get, uh, just to get the word out on some of these companies' websites and you know social media avenues. Also coming on and doing things like this. So I really, mm -hmm. really, really, truly appreciate uh, you both having me on as a guest today. It's it's it helps us. It helps us grow and get the word out. And um, I couldn't be happier that you invited us to come down. And I really appreciate that. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, filling yeah. us in and our audience. So we ask sure. everybody these questions, men or women, okay. they're meant to be fun. Okay. So who is your ultimate hockey hunk? Like who is the hunkiest? Whatever you define sure. hunk to be. Uh, that's 100% Mark Messier. Oh. Absolute, hero, absolute hero for me. 100%. I mean, you kind of got that's, the hair right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have the talent, but I have the hair. 
I play a different position anyway. Now, Mark Messier, he's the only he's the only player in the history of the NHL to captain two different franchises to the Cup. And uh, as a lifelong diehard Rangers fan, uh, you know he he came and he brought the Cup and he broke the curse. And he's 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 the hockey hunk for me, a hundred percent. Nice. Are you, you enjoying go. watching him on the uh, the coverage on ESPN? He's oh, yeah. doing coverage there, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, he is. And, and the best part for me is uh, for my 50th in October, my wife uh, had him do a cameo video for me and he did an unbelievable job. He really went above and beyond and spent like a solid two minutes and it was great. He was really great. It was, it, he said cool. some fun things and it was super cool. Very cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, Breezy. And who is your favorite hockey lady? Could be coach, uh, a player, wife, girlfriend, announcer. My favorite. I would probably say Megan Dugan, mm-hmm. um, you know, recently retired captain for uh, the U.S. national and Olympic team. Um, I, I want to say in, after I had played the game in New York for the Israelis uh, with Chris and Peter Ferraro really leading the ex-NHL team, uh, they're local Long Island guys. They're the first NH, uh, NHL guys from Long Island, and they had the uh, U.S. women in to their rink, which later became the Islanders' rink. Uh, it's now the Islanders rink, but when they owned it, they had the U S team in. And, uh, at the time, my 16 year old was, I don't know, what is this? Seven years or whatever she was. She was 11, 12 years old, whatever she was. And, uh, so I, we went down early in the morning when it wasn't open to the public and, uh, we got to see them skate, hang out with them a bit. She took pictures with my daughter, Carly, and it was just super cool to her. And, uh, so that was a big inspiration for her. And, and she, you know, she could have just spent two seconds saying hello and gone into the locker room, but she really went out of her way to take pictures and take the time to talk to her. And, and yeah, so, so we're big fans. I mean, why wouldn't she be right? <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. Do you have a Sidney Crosby story? Do I have a Sidney Crosby story? Um, yeah. I mean, it's tangential, but I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, say it because what better one do I have? Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, obviously as a hockey player, you have to respect the guy for being one of the greatest of all time. But, but as a huge Ranger fan, you know, they had beaten us a number of times and and one year um, we finally knocked them out of the playoffs. I don't remember what year it was, but when we knocked them out, there was a, on the TV, he just had this look of just utter dejection and uh, I froze my screen and then I was basically like doing a dance around my screen and pointing and acting like an imbecile that we beat him. And uh, I put it up on uh, my Facebook page at the time. So uh, it was it was pretty juvenile, but it was fun. And uh, that's my Sidney Crosby story. <laughs> we'll take it. Awesome. That's great. We get so yeah. many different answers to that question that we never yeah. think we will get. And it's just a fun <laughs> one. So thank you for yeah. sharing. Yeah. Thank you. So tell everybody where they can keep up with uh, you personally, if you have a social media presence or the the league. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm hardly a celebrity, so myself, not really. But the um, you can go to israelhockey.com is our website. Uh, during the year, we actually not only keep focus on the IEHL, but also the Israeli National League and the national teams. Again, it's a bit light over the last couple of years because of the pandemic, unfortunately, but uh, we revamped the site recently. So check out IsraelHockey.com. You can also find us on uh, Facebook under, um, you know, the Israel National Hockey Society. You can do the same on YouTube. And we also do have Instagram and Twitter. So if you look up uh, Israel National Hockey Society or IEHL Hockey, um, you can find us on any of those media. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone go give uh, Mark a follow. I guess it wouldn't be necessarily Mark a follow, but uh, the league a follow. Uh, Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.